Hello everyone, I'm Tyler Green, and welcome to Season 1 of We Will Flourish. Conversations and stories of flourishing together in Oklahoma City. We Will Flourish is not a newsreel of current events or knowledge base of data or statistics. Rather, it is a tapestry woven from human stories and perspectives, helping us both to celebrate our successes as a city and learn from our mistakes. In season one, we're having a conversation around the theme of movement towards conciliation, framed in listening, repentance, and action, and how it pertains to systems and power dynamics. We have to begin to reconcile, but it begins with looking at truth. And to look at truth, we have to all agree to be uncomfortable, to kind of take that little critic that we want so desperately to prove that we're right and other people are wrong, and put that little guy to the side and listen. As we think about this moment we're living in, and just this heightened awareness of the racial injustice, and as we've had conversation around some of the atrocities, uh, the injustices in our own community and state, um, as we think about moving forward, what are you guys' thoughts on kind of really that, in my mind, that next step beyond, okay, it's awareness, there's, there's some awareness, but really the courageous work that needs to happen to really find healing and unity? Um, and just what are your insights, perspectives on uh, things that you're participating in or things that we could, as a city, push together to, to move forward towards that healing? Well, um, you know, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's a billion things going on right now in the world. Um, and so things like truth and reconciliation commissions might be something that people think no, need to go in the back burner. But I think especially during this time, that's something we need and that can be done. Um, I know Canada did it at a macro level when they did it with the native community, with the boarding schools. It was done also at a uh, Christian level because a lot of the, um, in fact, it was, I think, Presbyterian, Baptist and other denominations that were at the head of the kill the Indian, spare the child native community where they rip children from their parents and westernize these children brutally. So I think it can be done in many different ways. I think Georgetown University did it where they confronted um, slavery, that they their school made money off of slavery, and then they, they took money and they distributed as reparations to families. I think that this is the time to begin to begin to do these things at a macro and micro grassroots level and a uh, denominational level. I think you see um, so many different institutions of religion coming out where there's been abuse. And there needs to be truth and reconciliation, whether that be uh, SBC had a lot of accusations, the Catholic Church, and there's other churches, more local and non-denominational, that have been accused of abuse. And when it comes to race and when it comes to um, what happened with the boarding schools and what happened with, um, you know, a lot of the, the segregation movement came out of the church, I think that, that frankly, as a Christian, 
as my faith tradition, I think that denominations and churches could begin truth and reconciliation. I think, however, in Oklahoma, where we have so much from the race uh, massacre to um, the land run, which took land to the displacement and deep deuce to um, so many schools, I think we could start truth and conciliation commissions. I also think that we need to look at reparations and the reparations can be done many ways and have been around the world. Uh, it can be straight out finances. It can be forgiveness, student loan debt. It can be student scholarships. It can be mental health access. It can be resources in the community that's been denied resources for hundreds of years. There's tons of ways we can do um, institutional reform, uh, commemoration, and um, commemoration and reparations. But all of that to say, we got to just start doing something. There's grassroots organizations that do things called healing through remembering, and they'll bring in people from communities who are older and they'll tell their stories. And it can be people from each divide. They do that in Northern Ireland with the Irish Catholics and the uh, the English Protestants, and they'll come in and talk about their 30-year bloody conflict, victims of that violence. We have to begin to reconcile, but it begins with looking at truth. And to look at truth, we have to all agree to be uncomfortable, to kind of take that little critic that we want so desperately to prove that we're right and other people are wrong, and put that little guy to the side and listen, particularly those who've been impoverished, who've been marginalized, who've been hurt. And then allow those voices to be the ones who create the change, hear what they want, and and ultimately allow space for those voices not only to be heard, but collectively we begin to move forward to a society that's more just and fair for everyone. And I think that's the goal, but we can't get to unity and racial healing and all the lovey-dovey parts until we deal with the icky painful, ugly, um, really hard parts. And that's just life. So one of the, one of the things that come to mind for me is that, that police commit the I forget all the words they use but it was a group of people that's gonna come together to to work towards uh police reforms and I remember looking at that list and being being glad about some of the names I saw on there uh, I, I remember seeing the the leader of the the local chapter of uh Black Lives Matter. Saw a couple of pastors around that that I that I'm familiar with that I I respect their stance on racial justice. I don't know all the names on there. I, I hope they're all at least sympathetic towards the issue of criminal justice reform. So when I think about how a truth and reconciliation commission could be impactful, I just think how how important it is to make sure that the the right voices are are not just allowed a seat at the table, but they need to be centered. Because if you just let, you know, the token black person come sit in with, you know, 20 white people, then whatever result they come with, it's it's going to be, it's not going to be as impactful as if it was it was something that was centered around making sure that the the black voice is heard and black people aren't monolithic. We all have different perspectives and different ideas. So it's important to make sure that we have uh, solid coverage and making sure that it's not token diversity when, when we're 
putting these groups together and empowering the people who do come to let their voice be heard and trusting that they're going to, you know, just trusting whatever conclusions that they come to. Because uh, if the governor were to say, hey, we're going to put together this this commission and then they say, oh, well, you know, we need to pay reparations to everybody. And he's like, ah. Eh, we're not going to do that. Then like it was a huge waste of time. So uh, so we need to just make sure that there are plenty of seats at the table. If we're talking about justice for women, make sure that there are plenty of women at the table that cover a, a wide range of demographics. Uh, whatever topic it is, that group needs to be the center focus and whatever conclusion that they come to towards progress. We need to trust it. As you mentioned, Malika, I have some recent history of just engagement and I would say being part of kind of an evangelical Christian tradition. And often that vein has, I just think it's really important to recognize where the theology has central to that tradition has um, played a part. And a lot of times the thought is that we kind of bring, we carry this message and this model in this way, and it's uh, a gift to the world and that our presence alone is bettering something. And we do that in the charity world so much. Um, it is it is baffling to me that we assume anyone and everyone who has a spare hour and cares a little bit can go in and do community development in an area or help a family who's experiencing oppression. Um, when we don't, I mean, like we'd prefer for our doctors to be trained. We like our, um, we want the people who build our houses, we want them to understand physics and to have a certificate that tells us they know that and that it's a house they've built hasn't fallen on anyone recently. So, the idea, like in some regards, it's like, yes, everyone has to start taking ownership of this and we all have to start recognizing it in our own place. Like that part is for everyone. Um, but the part of the part that tells us what to do is someone who has personal experience, someone who has studied this, like the practical um, understanding of how this has played out in other places, how it does need to play out here. And so the temptation of kind of like we're here and you're welcome has to be challenged so deeply. And again, speaking for kind of myself and the demographic I represent is not like it is we're here and we're sorry, not we're here and you're welcome for a very long time. And some like there is a skill level and an understanding to this that we have to defer to. And we all, we all play, we all have to play in terms of like loving our neighbor well, listening, lamenting. Um, but some, there are some people who know what is happening and what we should be doing. And even if that person does not do that from a evangelical Christian perspective, like we should and we can follow that. I think that's great. And I want to say something to what Ron said about making sure there's women. I think that's something that um, particularly in the state of Oklahoma, we're just really 
horrible to women. We incarcerate women disproportionately than any other state. We put women in jail who've been victims of domestic violence. We are like one of the worst states for women when it comes to health care and maternity, uh, the mortality rate for women after giving birth and all of these things. And, and, and it's really frustrating to see how, how little value that women get in the state, even though, you know, coming out of medical school schools, you, you see that women are starting to be the majority and women are generally very educated. And, and so I'm saying all that to say that recently, I won't say who, but there was a very widespread racial uh, talk um, kind of at the more macro state level. And there was not one woman on the panel, not one African-American woman, not one, one woman of color. And that really uh, just infuriated me that we think we're going to move forward as a state and as a people without bringing representation to half the population, not only half the population, but women have been instrumental African-American women in the civil rights movement in the 60s and as well in the neo-civil rights movement. And today, we have to have women start to be pretty much, I, for me to agree to be on something, I want to know that half, half, we have half the women represented. I want half. Why? Why do I want half? Does anybody have an idea? <laughs> We're half the population <laughs> and we still make less than men do. But is it 89, 80 something cents to the dollar that a man makes. And it's insane to me that we still in 2020 have such issues regarding gender. If you look at some of the Scandinavian countries who have the highest indicators on health and longevity, they have some of the best looks at gender um, equality. The five top most level countries have more gender equal laws and they are looser on gender norms. They have the lower male suicide rates, lower male drug dependency, and lower male alcohol dependency. When you start to value women, actually, it benefits everybody. It benefits men and benefits children. So if you're going to do something like a truth commission, you have to ensure that women are going to be half of that. You look at peace processes around the world, and you can see that almost always in these kind of war-fatigued, intractable conflicts, you have no women at the table. Women at the table prove study after study proves that it's going to be um, something that's higher quality and flourishing. So yes, and when we start to look at transitional justice, we need to bring women 50% to the table. Oh. I'm still trying to decide what I think about women in leadership, so I'll get back to you. I was just joking. I think the sometimes we get too emotional. I'm just trying to decide if we can lead things. I'm just still trying to decide if it's okay. <laughs> oh, man. We're getting the... Ri- Kim's coming out now. We've been on the podcast long enough. This this last one, then. Let's, let's just see it all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Will Flourish. Consider subscribing to our podcast and following us on Instagram at all.flourish. You can also reach out to us through our website, flourishokc.com. We will flourish when we flourish together.